Hello neighbors and welcome back to Nightmare Town. We are Betty Boom. And I'm Mandemonium. And we have a special guest. Theo. <laughs> so Theo is joining us today because he has special insight into our topic today, which is... Me, myself, and I. So we're going to let Theo talk for a little while and then we'll make him be quiet and... He really does want to be here. We're not forcing him or anything. He might be. I don't know. To my knowledge, you're not tied up. <laughs> I'm well, blinking a Morse code. Help me. He's not in. Cam he's not on camera, so you yeah, actually don't know. On camera. She has you just off camera, probably on purpose. <laughs> I didn't do it. He didn't want to move the Bella. All right, darling. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, dissociative identity disorder is what we were going to be talking about today. Um, and, uh, you might know it as multiple personality disorder. Um, it's, uh, I think they use it a lot or we hear about it a lot when it comes to people, uh, pleading insanity mm -hmm. for, uh, for like any kind of murders, which is why I'm guessing we're talking about it today. Um, but I'll tell you, it's like. It's the unicorn of the mental health field. Like, I've yeah. been, I've been working like in some form or another uh, for about ten years, and I've seen it maybe three times on paper. Um, but the the three times that I talked to the people with dissociative identity disorder, um, it didn't really come out. Um, so a lot of the um, a lot of the diagnosis that you see, OCD, uh, DID, um, man, what's, what's the other one? Uh, Tourette syndrome, all that kind of stuff. Um, it doesn't present like it does in the movies. Um, like with OCD, a lot of the times, uh, you see it as, uh, somebody that just, they'll talk on and on and on about a subject and you cannot steer them away from it. Um, so with dissociative identity disorder, um, you usually don't see somebody, uh, like change their personality, um, outwardly. Um, they, they describe it more as having a lot of different voices that kind of take over. Um, and so you don't really see that on the outside. And yeah. From what I've, um, I've, don't know if Eddie mentioned it, but I've been going down a DID rabbit hole on YouTube lately just because yeah. I get really like hyper focused on random subjects that I find interesting sometimes. Yeah. So currently it's DID, so I've just been like just like so it's so into learning about it because it's so interesting. But yeah, a lot of them I guess refer to them not really as personalities, but yeah, more like voices or like pretty much like entirely separate people with like amnesia walls between them sometimes and they yeah. refer to themselves as like a system. Mm -hmm. so, so instead of calling themselves I, they might say we or say the system when referring to the multiple. Yeah. Um, and like there was, yeah. I, I looked up a little bit more on it before talking about this and I, I, I saw where some, one person was saying that really what they're doing is um, it's, it's almost like a committee that has to get together. So almost they can like, uh, inside out and everybody has to agree, um, before, um, like the body takes action on a certain behavior. Um, and like, uh, I was, 
I was looking up the, the different treatments for it. Uh, usually when, when I, the three times that I saw um, that diagnosis, it was not the primary diagnosis. Um, mm -hmm. It'd be more of a red herring and we'd be uh, working on something like a PTSD or something like that. Um, yeah, because usually the PTSD is yeah. usually always apparent, correct? Yeah. Is that right? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's very apparent. Like, there's, there's usually a pattern that you can see with it. Um, now, with, uh, I, I see a lot of dissociation. Dissociation is, is described as, like, um, being a fly on the wall. You kind, your mind kind of leaves your body, and then mm -hmm. you're just watching yourself in third person, and you can't really control what's happening. Yes. Um, and so I, I've dealt with that part a lot and you usually have to, um, they've kind of, if you've watched, um, oh man, why is Sherlock when he retreats into his mind palace, that's kind of what people are doing yeah. when they dissociate. Um, so you have to kind of, um, coach them to come back out. It's like, Hey, you know, uh, this is Theo here. Come back out. Come, come talk with me. You know, it's, it's safe out here. Um, yeah. and now with, uh, DID, they're thinking like you were, you were talking about how they have like a, those amnesia walls. Mm -hmm. Um, so there are two, two big styles of therapy. The one that I do is cognitive behavioral, um, therapy. Um, we talk about feelings and we talk about thoughts and how they meant together. Um, yes. and so that one is very like evidence-based. Um, and then there's the other one. So when you think about like Sigmund Freud, um, Carl Jung, stuff like that, that one is uh, psychotherapy, um, which has no evidence base. It was just, you know, armchair philosopher sitting down is like, hey, this sounds like a theory. Um, yeah. And so there's a very particular school of thought uh, called object relations therapy, um, which is very effective for uh, DID. Um, object relations therapy, um, we're not talking about like items, we're talking about people. People are the objects. Um, and usually um, our psyche can only handle something as good or bad. We can't really handle one object as being both at the same time. Yeah. Um, you see this a lot with kids where, um, you know, a kid will act out a lot and like according to object relations therapy, um, they're taking on all the bad so their parents can still be good. Um, yeah. With uh, dissociative identity disorder, um, since they can't do that, they can't really project this good or bad onto other people, they split themselves up. And so they project part of themselves onto one bad person. Um, and so that's, that's what they're thinking is most likely what's happening. Um, it's a, a lot of therapists or people in the mental health really think that it's not it's not really something that uh, it, it it's something that people choose to do. Like they're they're aware of it, um, oh, really? but to but to admit it is kind of like saying, "Hey, um, this means that I am both bad and good." And it it kind of it's really hard for somebody to cope with that. So they they're just kind of taking um, the major trauma that they've been through. Um, and they're breaking it off into pieces so it can handle one part of it at a time. Mm -hmm. um, one, one way that you can kind of think of it is like a, what do you call it? Those prize wheels? Mm -hmm. like, wheel of Fortune, yeah. like the Wheel of Fortune wheel. Um, and uh, so what we do at any point in time is we are one of those sections 
Um, and we are, that's who we present as. So there can be a happy me, there can be a sad me. Um, and so that, depending on the situation, that wheel turns um, to, to meet that situation, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's, it's really weird that we go back to like non-evidence-based kind of therapies for DID. Mm -hmm. But I found that object relations therapy is actually useful in some situations. So I've had to use that before. But yeah, um, that's, a, that's a little bit about uh, dissociative identity disorder. And correct me if it. I'm wrong, uh, but it stems from like a major or like from a childhood traumatic event. Like a random adult isn't suddenly going to get diagnosed with DID like, or get DID. It's stemmed from specifically from childhood trauma yes. in the early years when they are still haven't completely developed, you know, their sense of self and who they are, like their personality, as you would mm. see in like early childhood, uh, forget the age range, but I want to say it was from ages like three to like seven is when you're still building your sense of self and who you are and your personality. And so why it used to be referred to as multiple personalities was for that reason, because they would have like the persecutor, the trauma holder, whatever, mm. side, and then they would have, you know, the protector, the feminine area, whatever. But they've stopped referring to it as multiple personalities because I guess a lot of the people with it have been saying it's less like a personality and it's like almost like a completely separate person, mainly because of those amnesia walls mm -hmm. that are built up. But sometimes they can be co-conscious with another one. So if they're like the driver, someone might be in the passenger seat with them, another one of their, you know, Oh yeah. We'll Personalities are people. So they might be able to communicate, but the other ones, like they may have ones that they don't even know about yet, I guess. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was going somewhere with that, but he fell off the wagon. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's like a, it's a, it's a lot to really think about. It's, it's really hard to have it all, um, you know, right on your, your work table all at once is that um it's uh you know you're you're thinking about like all the different factors of how it works it's it's a it's it's almost like a moving target really like yeah. once you think you see a pattern things change yeah why are you both looking at me <laughs> oh i was like I, I, well, i'm I, not looking at you i can't see <laughs> well no it was just like you looked you looked off to the side where I happened to be because I was off camera at the moment. <laughs> and I was like, what What the fuck? <laughs> you both looked at me at the same time. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's why we wanted Theo to come on and talk about it because I think I've mentioned this in episodes past, but he is a master's level counselor. And so, you know, he has to deal with stuff like this. Well, I mean, not this specific thing, as he said, but things similar. Mm -hmm. So also this is the first time we've been able to have like an expert come on and talk about something. Yeah. <laughs> I just, oh, shucks. I just, if we ever do one about childhood behaviors, then I can chime in, but. Well, we'll have to have Theo on again. Yeah, true. <laughs> so, but yeah. Um, but yeah, that's exciting. So kind of, you know. We're credible. Actual, yeah, right? We're credible, bitches. 
But uh, yeah, so we just, like I said, we just wanted to have Theo on to come and talk about that for a little bit before we jumped into Amanda and mine's spiels. Yeah, before um, we jump into the actually creepy, that one's more just interesting and mm-hmm. fits well with the theme with mm-hmm. me, myself, and I. But Factual and awesome. Yeah. So I have a good factual slew of things now and again. <laughs> I believe this week I am first, and then, yes, yes. so I'm going to make you tiny, little tiny corner corner friend. I'm tiny, it's okay, I have you in my corner too. Where'd you go? There you are. Um, And I'm going to be popping us over to creepypasta.org, because I... I had a specific thing that I wanted to talk about. Well, I mean, like a specific genre. Like, I wanted to find multiple personality d- disorder true crime. Mm-hmm. But as Theo said, like, a lot of people will throw that out there as a red herring. And so the cases that I was looking at, I was like, no. Well, it's that's... funny, too, because I've read, um, I don't know if this is true, but I've uh, read and watched, like I said, Rabbit Hole lately about this but that um, that diagnosis won't hold up in a court of law to like plead insanity. Like even though you have that amnesia and you may not have remembered what was going on because you weren't you at the moment or whatever, mm-hmm. like they still consider you as one body and therefore you are responsible. So mm-hmm. like you can't you can't use it in a court of law. I don't know if that's true or if it just differs from whatever areas but that's one thing i'd read i thought it was interesting because people can plead insanity with stuff but apparently that just saying i have did and i don't remember doing that won't hold up yeah well i I imagine it happens like a lot because you can't really prove it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so like i said i tried to find some but almost all of the stories i read or videos that i watched I kind of was calling BS on it, uh, which, again, I do not have a degree. I I don't know if they did or not. It just seemed like malarkey. But, yeah. So, well, yeah. I mean, it's not like a super common diagnosis you would get anyways. Like, it is, it's a lot more common than people think, but it's still, I don't think, common enough that, like, that many people would be just, you know, like you said, BS and probably using it to try to get out of something. The BS stuff that they did? Yeah. <laughs> so, again, like I said, I'm over at creepypasta.org. And this is a story called Never Lonely. And it was submitted by Anonymous on October 7th, 2015. And, again, I didn't write this. I'm just reading it. I'll be citing my sources, so you can't sue me. Yes. We always cite the sources. We would never claim it as our own. Oh, no. Definitely not. What, love? Nothing. Okay. All right. I've been diagnosed with dissociative identity disorder, or what most people would call multiple personality disorder. I haven't told a lot of people about it because, well... It's not an easy thing to talk about. And I have this constant fear of seeming like I'm seeking attention. And since I can't prove it, then it's 
just kind of useless to talk about. But there's something that a lot of people don't understand is how nice being alone is because I haven't felt lonely in nearly 10 years now. It wasn't as bad when I was a kid, but then things happened and it got worse. You don't have to worry. I'm not some serial killing maniac and I'm on meds now, but I haven't even told my psychiatrist the whole story and it's only thanks to the anonymity. Oh, you had trouble with this word last oh, time. I had so much trouble with that word last week. Darling? What? Anonymity? Is it anonymity? Anonymity. Anon? Anonymity. Anonymity? Anonymity. Oh Dingy. Yes. <laughs> of the internet, I can tell you guys. I was by, it says I was by two people, but I think it was supposed to be, I was raised. So I was raised by two people who definitely thought children should be seen and not heard. I wasn't allowed to draw or sing or do anything that might be considered annoying. One of the few things I could do without getting yelled at was read and write. So I would come up with these fantastic worlds where I was the hero saving people from terrible monsters. It was a really nice escape, especially when mom and dad would start drinking. Mostly when they yelled or started hitting people, it'd be at each other, which I preferred, especially since the other targets were me and my brother. I loved my brother, and any time we got scared, I put on a brave face, locked us in my room, and read one of my books out loud until we, they went to sleep. It was about when I was 12 that I first noticed that I wasn't alone in my head. Maybe it was all the yelling, the hitting, and my overactive imagination, but I was really happy that I actually had a friend, even if he was in my own head. He called himself Vincent. I had never really heard that name before, but it was cool. He always sounded tough, and he made me feel tough too. Eh, you don't need them, kid. You're good enough on your own. He was always so encouraging at the start. I'd spent entire recesses just talking to him in my head. We'd find a nice corner on the playground away from the other kids, and I'd tell him all about whatever book I read or how awful one of my teachers was. And he'd just listen and comment and tell me just how proud he was of me. It was something he'd always say. I'm so proud of you. It went on until I was about 15. My brother was 11 and just about to go into sixth grade when my dad finally left my mom. He didn't say anything. I just walked in one day and she was crying over a picture of us from my childhood. Things turned worse after that. Mom took up smoking too, and I'd find small burn marks on my brother's body. And whenever I tried to confront her, she'd say he was just getting careless with the stove or he must have been getting picked on at school. I couldn't prove anything, but somehow I knew that she was the one doing it. My brother was so small, and even today he's hardly 5'5 five five and as skinny as a rake. Mom didn't try to hurt me after Dad left, at least not physically. I was growing really fast, and when I turned 16, I was already a foot taller than her. So she tried talking down to me, tried to make me angry or sad, but it didn't work. Because after every single argument, Vincent would tell me that I was a good kid and I deserved better. 
I'm so proud of you. It was about this time that I noticed that there were gaps in my memory. They were just little things, like a bookmark would be further in a book than I remember, or my clothes would be on differently. I was a bit afraid, but Vincent told me that it was him, and he was sorry. He said he couldn't control it, really, and he was just so curious about my life that he just couldn't help but explore. I was scared at first, but I just got used to it. People who have been in an abusive relationship will understand that when someone who has so much power in your life does something weird or creepy, you just forgive them, even if it's a, the bad thing to do. And I guess I was just lonely and craved attention, and he was willing to give it whenever I wanted. It was nice for a while. Then things just sort of snapped. My brother was homesick that day. He had a terrible cold and could hardly get out of bed. It was hard for him to keep solid foods down, and he'd throw up a lot. I told my mom to stay sober for a single day and try to take care of him. She was his goddamn mom. She was supposed to take care of him. She was supposed to love both of us. Isn't that what a mom is supposed to do? How could she do that to him? How could she do that to us? There was a fire while I was at school. Started by a careless cigarette dropped on the carpet. Ruled as an accident, but even when I came home, I saw that she was absolutely hammered. The fire department barely got my brother out in time to save his life, but he got severe burns. Even to this day, the scars on his face and hands are the first thing people notice. He's scarred for the rest of his life because of that bitch. I tried to bring attention to it. I tried to do something, but no one would listen. No one ever believes me that no one I talked to tried to help. But you'd be fucking surprised at how much oversight actually happens. I felt more hopeless that first night after the fire than I ever have. That's when Vincent spoke to me. I can help you. You've helped me. I can make you happy. Can I make you happy? I hardly cared anymore, so I just blacked out. We were in a crappy hotel. My mom was sleeping. My mom was asleep on the bed next to me when I, went, when I went out. And when I woke up, she wasn't there. I thought she just went out to get more booze or to talk to the insurance people about collecting on our house. I skipped school and visited the hospital. My brother wasn't awake yet, but I like to think that maybe he could hear me when I started to read to him again. I read his favorite, The Lord of the Rings, and I even made voices for each character like I did when he was small. When I got home, Mom still wasn't back. Again, I didn't think anything of it. I was actually relieved. But after a few days, I started to get worried. I was kicked out of the hotel. I kept getting calls about insurance and my brother's hospital bill, and eventually the p police came to inquire about where she might have gone. I remember the officer that came to see me. His name was Officer Jackson. He had a very odd nose and a mustache that reminded me of a walrus. Son, do you know anyone who might have wanted your mother gone? Anything odd? Maybe someone said something threatening to her before she disappeared? I thought of what Vincent had said in passing, and I wasn't even planning on saying anything about it. But that's when Vincent spoke up again. 
Just say no. I suddenly felt terrified. I told the officer there was nothing, but I was starting to put some pieces together. I think he knew something was up, but he couldn't prove anything and just left me alone. I cried after that. For the first time in a long time, I was sobbing. There was the thought that I had done something or that the voice in my head was doing something. Maybe I was going crazy. Maybe I was just crazy. Maybe I should just get some help. But like always, there was Vincent's voice. No matter what I did, no matter who I spoke to, he was there. Always there. Always encouraging me and guiding me. Always guiding me. Always making sure I did the right thing. Never a single instant alone because I always knew he was there. And he was always ready to remind me, I'm so proud of you. I'll never be lonely again and that terrifies me. And well, that was a good story. I like it. Well written. I love when I find a good, well written creepy pasta. Oh, me too. I don't get me wrong. I love the like horribly written, like cringy ones that kind of remind me of the days of like fan fiction in the early internet. <laughs> I love them just as much, but when I come across like a well written one, I'm just like, it's beautiful. <laughs> I had a discussion about fan fiction with someone recently because they're like, I just don't get it. And I was like, all right. But anyway, we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. And we're back. Thank you guys so much for listening to our sponsor. It is now Amanda's turn. Um, Theo has bowed out. His allergies are apparently getting kind of bleh. So he needed oh, no. to get away from the Bellas. So, yeah. But it is Manda's turn away. Turn. So it is Manda's turn. So take it away, friend. All right. Well, I'm going to be talking about doppelgangers. And I actually have a specific story to go along with it. But if you guys don't know what a doppelganger is, though I feel like most of our neighbors would probably know what a doppelganger is, <laughs> it is uh, described as an apparition or a double of a living person. So, the particular doppelganger scenario I'm going to be talking about today is the very strange case of Emily Sagey. Sagey? Sagey? Really sorry if I'm saying that name wrong, but I could not find it on the how to pronounce names thingy that I tried Googling. <laughs> but we're just going to call her Emily. <laughs> Emily! So... Emily worked in an exclusive girls' school. She was a really good teacher, but for some reason she kept moving from one job to another. In 16 years, she had changed positions an impressive 19 times. Oh, goodness. Yeah. In 1845, the school found out why. Emily was allegedly the center of some very strange doppelganger activity. Her spectral twin was first seen during class as 13 students witnessed the doppelganger standing by Emily's side and mirroring her movements. Okay, so the first time I read this, I was getting chills, like, reading it because it's just, like, creepy. Could you imagine just being a kid in class and just, like, looking in this, like, apparition appears next to your teacher just mimicking her movements that looks just like her? Yeah, that'd be creepy. <laughs> I would be an open out of that class. It's like, I, um, I want to switch. <laughs> It says, 
Next, it stood behind her as she ate, pantomiming her movements. Emily herself was completely oblivious to the apparition, despite the fact that everyone else could see it clearly. However, she did become strangely groggy and powerless, she describes, during the times the doppelganger supposedly manifested. And the wraith was often seen doing things Emily later said she had been thinking about at the moment, suggesting that she may have had some subliminal control over it. Soon, the doppelganger ventured beyond Emily's immediate vicinity. At first, it appeared to a classroom full of students sitting calmly in the teacher's chair while Emily herself was outside working in the garden. Which, again, if my teacher's just like out in the garden and I'm just sitting in the classroom and I look up and she's in the chair, but simultaneously I can see her out the window. No, thank you. <laughs> Uh, it says the account goes like this witnessed by nearly 50 persons the students were intently working in their sewing class while another teacher sat at the front of the room reading a book outside the window the students could see Emily working in the garden the supervising teacher stood up and left the room seconds later Emily walked in and sat down in the empty chair Students thought nothing of it until one gasped and pointed out the window where Emily was still working diligently in the garden. Two of the students stood and approached the doppelganger and being quite brave, reached out and touched it. They said it looked just like Emily in all aspects, except when they ran their hands through the entity. They said it felt empty, like the stuff cobwebs are made of. Mm. Later, Emily had told school officials that she indeed had been outside picking flowers in the garden. She had not seen the doppelganger. In fact, Emily never once saw her twin, but had, in fact, wished to herself that she was in the classroom supervising the sewing class. School officials noted in their documentation that each time the doppelganger appeared to them, the real Emily appeared lethargic and listless. The few people who dared to approach the doppelganger found they could pass through it, yet it had a texture that reminded them of thick fabric. Time went by and the apparition became a permanent fixture of the school's life, freaking people out on a regular basis. The girls' concerned parents started removing their children from the school. Although Emily was a model employee on all non-paranormal accounts, the headmistress had no option but to fire her and her ghostly double. Parents complained about the ghost and Emily was dismissed from her job. So... That's the story of Emily. I almost wonder if she just had a twin and was just like trolling the class before trolling was a thing. I don't know. I mean, maybe, but if people are touching it and they're like, it wasn't human. Yeah, that's the creepy part is it's like there's accounts supposedly of people like actually touching the apparition and walking through it and being like, no, it's there, but it's not, and just that she never sees it and is always lethargic and, like, kind of weird, out-of-it feeling mm -hmm. every time the doppelganger appeared. Also, so, also, how boring does your life have to be that you wish that you were in the sewing classroom supervising? Yeah. Like, why would you be thinking that? Man, I really wish I was just in, in indoors right now. Well, like, that part I could get, but, like, the way she worded it, I'm like, no. Sewing. Yeah, no. supervising a sewing class. It's like, you're outside, <laughs> it's probably hot, you want to be inside in a comfy chair. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I'm just going to sit here. 
in pantomime eating this apple. <laughs> but, yeah. It that's she my got... story. <laughs> stinks that she got fired, though. Yeah, I know. It's a bummer. Like, I mean, they put up long enough with it, like, you know, terrifying people, but... <laughs> it's not like it was doing anything. It was just chilling. Yeah, just mimicking her and being a little creepy now and again. But she was a good teacher from what it sounds like. Yeah, so they should have <laughs> kept her around. Yeah. Kept things interesting. They could have just, like, assigned the doppelganger or something to do meanwhile. Oh, man, that would be so cool if she could get control of it and then teach two classes at the same time. Ooh. No more need for a one-room school. <laughs> Question would be, would they have to pay her double? I would say so. Yeah? Especially if she's like, I don't know, doing double the work, sort of. Not really, but kind of. I mean, maybe. She's doing double the work, but she's not aware of it. Mm-hmm. Cause she's not aware of the other one. It's weird, too, that she, like, can never see it, like, never knows it's there. I mean, that's a good ghost story. It's pretty terrifying. <laughs> and she never saw her doppelganger. But she was told it was there. So, there you go. Alright, well, it's your turn to pick, so... Alrighty, let me get to my handy-dandy list here. Where did it go? So, again, we are just going to be going and... Manday is going to roll a die and pick from the list. That is now eight. So if you guys have your own stories to tell or definitely ideas for the hat, go ahead and hit us up at nightmaretown18 at gmail.com on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, or over at our website, which is nightmaretown.co. I'm getting so good at rambling that off. All right. I rolled a five, so we will be talking about horror show will be our next topic Ooh. horror show horror show that should be fun yeah i always pause here to write it down in the old phone so i don't forget <laughs> even though we're doing it weekly now as of late <laughs> well that's just during quarantine quarantine how's your quarantine going it's going all right uh we had to postpone our uh wedding but <laughs> yeah i saw that we are trying to stay positive in that that just means we can save more money for a better honeymoon <laughs> that is true yeah you guys had to postpone that too right mm-hmm. yeah because we would be on the beach and right now all of those places are closed and even if they're open by the time our honeymoon comes around I still don't feel it would be as nice just because the social distancing thing sounds like once things open people are still supposed to be social distancing masks, gloves germex like all the time and I just don't want to be on my honeymoon having to just like be constantly thinking about germs and this and that and staying not too close to people and like did the person that prepared my food in this restaurant were they like covered up like while they were cooking so we're just postponing meanwhile and we'll reschedule it for some time in the future yeah future plans 
Yeah, I haven't been doing anything except for homework. And I mowed the lawn yesterday, which was nice. We need to do that here. <laughs> well, the fiance needs to do that. I uh, cannot. I'm allergic to cut grass. <laughs> we talked about this. <laughs> That's my excuse that I'm going to roll with. <laughs> mm -hmm. right. yeah. So... Well, I guess we'll get off here. It's a, another short episode, but I think that's okay. Yeah. yeah, well, I guess we're just not as chatty with news and goings-on because there just really aren't no. that many things happening right now. So we it's just true. get straight to the story. So yeah, could be better, could be worse. Well, it's like I, I fell asleep on the couch last night at 8.30. Oh, that's nice. I would like to go to bed early tonight. I didn't want to fall asleep at 8.30. It just happened. <laughs> So, oh, I, uh, I've started playing Animal Crossing. Ah, yes. I want to play. <laughs> Somebody want to get a Switch. I've been playing it on the GameCube still, but. <laughs> but, yeah, that's my news. Well, that's exciting news, though, because mm. Animal Crossing is the bomb. It's okay. <laughs> it, it's very goal-oriented, which I'm good at, so I like, <laughs> I like that, but it's okay. It's just okay. Yeah. I have been changing my character's hair and clothing every day, though. Nice. Which is fun, because I have not been changing my clothing every day. <laughs> Me neither. I've been rocking the PJs. I actually am, like, dressed today, but that's because I was, like, in the yard earlier. <laughs> no. So I'm wearing real clothes. I have my... I have on a My Hero Academia... Uh, zip up hoodie nice. and like leggings that sounds super cozy it's very comfy but I guess we'll let you guys go so until next time <laughs>